Hey, Zach here. I just wanted to jump in and let you know that we are officially a part of the TV Talk Network. For more information about the TV Talk Network, you can visit tvtalk.fm. And, of course, we are also a part of the Real Geeks Podcast Network. And more information can be found at reelgeeks.net. For the week of February 4th, this is Star Wars TV Talk. In this very late episode, John and I are going to discuss the final four episodes of season one, the first half of season one, that is. Before we get into the second half of season one, we are super excited about this. And like I said, John is here to help me. John, how are you doing, man? Really good. These last few episodes were a lot of fun, so I'm uh, excited to be able to break it down. Yeah, as am I. I thought that this was a very interesting thing. I mean, we got uh, some Kaz befriending people, some more pirate attacking. We get some Kaz doing some more spying and actually being kind of good at it. Mm. <laughs> um, and then we still have BB-8. We're 10 episodes in and BB-8 is still here. Uh, we get, get another return of Poe. That's uh, like, you know, three episodes now that's really Poe heavy mm -hmm. that I was really surprised about. But we'll get into that a little bit later. And then we find more out about Captain Toza and his daughter and then Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and let's talk about this first half of season one in review. Sure. So we got some major characters to discuss. And I kind of want to start with, um, let's go ahead and start with Yeager and his brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this was definitely a filler episode for the season. Although I don't know because they're so the, the format of the show is so different from what we got previously that I don't even know what to call filler and what to call like, Oh, this is, you know, whatever you may call right, it. Right, right. Uh, but we find out that Yeager has a brother that he's not in the greatest relationship with. Yeah. And his brother comes, comes down and we see that his brother is in trouble with the notorious Guavian death gang. <laughs> Who, it was Han that had a run-in with them at one point, right? Yes, yeah. it was, yeah. Um, this one, I think, was the muddiest of the last mm. few episodes, and probably the one that shouldn't be required viewing. It right. didn't really do a whole lot to further the story. It did seem like a self-contained kind of one-off episode um, that I thought was a little clunky and a little heavy-handed, but... Uh, uh, you know, it was, it was still fun enough. The race was kind of yeah. cool. They, they had some, uh, neat elements where they show them going up to the edge of space and then they get ion blasted. Yeah. <laughs> they're either going to lose their ship or make it into the, the little port that's going to let their ship turn back on. Like there was some, some cool things that they had wove yeah. into it, but the way that they unfolded Yeager's backstory and mm -hmm. the motivations of the characters, like why Yeager was like, I'll never race. And then three seconds later, apparently like yeah. there was a little <laughs> bit of reverse psychology voodoo and he's like totally on board. And there yep. was just a lot of contrived character stuff in it that mm -hmm. is, is fine, but it, it didn't, it didn't really appeal too much to me. Yeah. And, and that was an episode that was really heavy on specifically Yeager and his situation with his brother and didn't focus a lot on Kaz and some of these other characters. We just got, you know, kind of this story and Kaz right. is kind of in the outside looking in um, and is like, oh, that's your brother? Oh my gosh, I'm such this <laughs> fanboy and like wanting to hang around the brother. And so then Yeager's like, well, fine, go help him out. And he's like, okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, but yeah, so we get some, uh, some more insight on Yeager um, and some more insight as to... I mean, we don't, we still don't know exactly what happened to I his family. I think we do, but because all of that exposition was so clunky, I, I think that they were kind of dancing around it. But yeah. if I understand it, the brother uses the hyperfuel to try and get an mm -hmm. edge in the race, ends up blowing up his racer, and I think taking out Yeager's family in the process. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's what they were alluding to, but... If that were the case, I, I don't think you could make amends. Like I, I, no, I wouldn't like, yeah. you know, at the end he's like, so we good. And he's like, no, we're not good, but we're better. Um, I don't know. That was a little, 
little schmaltzy if if someone <laughs> blew up my family because of their own you know reckless ambition uh that would be that that would be a a serious blow i, I just i yeah. don't uh i don't know if if it made sense that they could come back from that like the way that the show mm-hmm. kind of showed eager slowly being won back over by his brother um so yeah again this is where the character motivations the backstory all of that being kind of clunky um mm-hmm. and not very well established uh that's that's where uh, these kind of things just became muddy and and not very satisfying. So the resolution wasn't satisfying because I don't think we genuinely understood the depth of the rift between them. So right, I don't know. Yeah. This, this was the one episode that, yeah, I, I would definitely take it or leave it. Yeah. And it was one of those that, I mean, it was cool kind of getting back into the cockpit and seeing um, just more of what this race on this planet has, you know, what kind of what it's offering. Right. Uh, we get, you know, a little taste of that in the first couple of episodes of season. But then we see, you know, how they kind of go just outside of the, you know, the planet's atmosphere and then come crashing down. And hope, like you said, hopefully their engines kick back <laughs> on. Or if not, I guess, I guess you lose the race. Yeah. Like and, the, the ex tie fighter, he didn't make it right yep. at the last minute. He got bumped out. Um, yeah. That's a lot of fun. And I think this is showing one of the show's strengths that they're starting to lean into more is yeah. the dog fighting, the racing. All of that stuff is just fun. And the animation style aids it so nicely. It's so just visually compelling to watch it that um, I'm I'm okay with more of it. That's that's the kind of stuff that if you really do have an episode where there's not a whole lot else going on, mm-hmm. by all means, give us some more of that because <laughs> the racing stuff is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And so let's go ahead and move on with uh, to Kazuda. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this character grow a lot. Like in these uh, in these last four episodes, we see him do more spy stuff. Some right. of it kind of just by accident, but he's he's thinking on his feet a little bit faster. But then he has moments where he's not thinking too fast on his feet, like when they get stuck in the uh, the trash incinerator, <laughs> <laughs> the homicidal trash incinerator. Yeah, very, yeah, very it, Star Warsy incinerator. Yeah. Um. So let's kind of just talk about his situation. So we know kind of what he's doing he's spying for the uh for the resistance on this planet uh we get hints that his relationship with his family is kind of you know sketchy mm-hmm. but we still don't have clarification on that so i thought it was interesting that we got clarification some more clarification on yeager's situation before we did on kazuda's situation yeah i don't know if there's that much more they really want to say about kazuda they just established that him and his father don't see eye to eye which is mm-hmm sort of a mirror to kind of like the uncle Owen sort of thing. Like you yeah. just not measuring up and feeling like you're kind of living in your family shadow and you want to like break out on your own. Kazuda's at that age. So I think that's all they were really trying to say with that. You know, yep. my dad and I are worlds apart. He's this, you know, politician who expects great things for me, but you know, I want to have my own life. That's kind of all they were really saying at the beginning. Um, yeah. And they, I, I, I think that that's enough. Um, this show doesn't dig deep on character motivations, right? Like everyone has some backstory and some motivation, but it's, it's pretty apparent, right? Like there's not lots of layers to these characters. So I think that's as much as we really need for Kaz to be off and running on this adventure. And so I wouldn't expect much else. Like we had a reference to it when he was talking to Leia, right? Like my dad, Mm -hmm. the Senator, you know, he wouldn't see this as a threat or whatever. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's as deep as they're going on Kaz. Yeah, and something that else, something else that I found a little bit surprising, and we it, we still don't have a lot of information, and we haven't seen her a lot, but Tam, mm-hmm. so we don't. So I guess just for me, when they kind of marketed this show, it made it seem like that that there was this kind of more of like a close knit team dynamic with sure. all these main characters, and I and I think we're getting there, but it's just interesting that like this whole first half of the season. Uh, there's a lot of characters that they just kind of introduce and they don't do much with after that. Yeah. This is kind of an everything in the kitchen sink sort of show. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's star Wars in space, you know, like missions with Poe. Sometimes it's a pod racing at sea. Sometimes yep. it is um, wacky hijinks with the side characters. Sometimes yep. it's pirate attacks. Some, like there's, there's no real formula for this show other than let's just have this platform where anything can happen. And yeah. then we can spin off whatever adventures occur to us as we go and, you know, have a little bit of a narrative thread with the first order and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, for the, for the most part, they're, they're just kind of going to do whatever's fun. And I, I wouldn't expect, 
a lot of consistency episode to episode and what right. we should be seeing uh, as far as the character dynamics. And, you know, it's not a sitcom. It's not going to take place in just one location with the same people kind of acting the same way week over week. They're just going to pick and choose the characters that fit for any given adventure um, mm-hmm. rather than having kind of like the traditional Star Wars, like trio of heroes in a ship. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's not that show. So. I think they can take their time building the camaraderie between, mm-hmm. you know, the, whatever the, the technicians, Giger's technicians or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, so let's kind of talk about those pirates so that we get one episode early on, I think it was like episode four, or episode three, when right. we get the first pirate attack, mm-hmm. uh, the pirates come back. We find out that, uh, that Toza has some sort of, you know, agreement slash the, Uh, The First Order is trying to make a deal with him like, hey, we understand you're getting attacked by all these pirates. Do you want us to help you and provide you with some security? Because you guys basically have none. Right. And so this is kind of a plot for the pirates to take over this, basically this fueling bay or this this resource planet that that these pirates keep attacking. And so the First Order wants that location. And did we ever find out exactly if there's a motive other than just having a well-resourced fueling station (laughs) uh no not really again this is where you know motivations don't run too deep right like things are very apparent on the show um the first order is on the move and they're looking to grow and expand and they're building something because they're collecting Mm -hmm. ore from meteorites so um all we really need to know is that it's of some value to the first order so Mm -hmm. they're playing these games where they're creating instability on the platform using the pirates because they want to insinuate their way onto the station and, uh, basically legitimize an occupation there. That's, that's kind of the, if there is an overarching storyline that's carrying through all these episodes, that's it. The first order wants in and they're using their machinations to make it happen rather than just take it by force. Cause they, they don't want to show their true colors prior to having the mystery weapon ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the same approach the Empire takes too, right? Like we've we've seen this mirroring of the old and the new sure. ever since the Force Wickets has come out. And so it's kind of uh it's interesting that we have that. Um and we get introduced through this pirate stuff. Basically, I like to call him Phasma 2.0, but Captain <laughs> Pyre, right. who's the this gold-plated um like how come he got the gold? And I Phasma think he outranks. Well, <laughs> she's a captain. He's a commander, right? So <laughs> yeah, he outranks her. That's uh, the the preciousness of the medal. Obviously, corresponds mm-hmm. to rank. Yeah, but at the same time, like, uh, so I in one of the visual dictionaries from uh, the Force Awakens, Captain Phasma's suit came from, right. uh, it, you know, Palpatine's Naboo cruiser. Right. And so I'm like, okay, how come you know she gets that, and then pyre has gold i wonder if there's an interesting story there or so if it's just more of a yeah that's cool where, animation trick uh that's where the needs of the toy line <laughs> the needs of canon and the needs of a children's tv show all kind of collide uh, basically it boils down to hey it would look really cool to have a gold stormtrooper so let's find yeah. a reason to have one um captain phasma you know when she was originally written I don't think JJ abrams could care about how she mm-hmm. became silver he just thought oh that's cool yeah, looking um exactly and then, you know, Canon fills in the gaps. So yeah. they may have a similar rationale yeah. as to why there's one yeah. gold stormtrooper as well. Um, but what they might also be doing is just kind of rewriting the rules here yeah. a little bit. And maybe they're going to continue to uh, color infuse the first order because it makes, mm-hmm. you know, for a more fun toy line. We've got, you yeah. know, the, the red TIE fighter as well, too, that uh, is just, you know, one more collectible now, one more new, <laughs> right. uh, new action figure. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really what it boils down to, but Hey, I'll take it. It looks cool. And, and <laughs> it's just interesting that all of these are coming out just in time for Christmas. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they know what they're doing over at Lucasfilm. Most of the time, most of the time they know what they're yes. doing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it looks cool. I thought that captain Pyre, the, from the very first scene that you see him, um, especially when he gets into the high tower and he has that one-on-one meeting with Toza. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks amazing like the animation style just having that having that gold looks really cool um and so i wonder if that was also a part of it was just let's see what all we can do because lucasfilm is really experimenting with this show they're going a completely different route than what we've ever seen before um and introducing characters that we've you know that we're not used to having yeah um and you know very colorful both you know in personality and in 
yeah. color. In a way, this is kind of an anime throwback too, because yep. uh, a, a typical trope of anime is that you differentiate characters by color. Everyone kind of has their theme and mm-hmm. that ties into, you know, their pet robot or their flyer, whatever it is. Um, yep. So yeah, to feel like maybe they can sort of break the rules of some of the pre-established canon for the sake of this show, which is a bit of a fusion with anime inspired ideas and visuals. Um, yeah, I can see them playing a little fast and loose with colors just because it makes for a more fun show. Um, and we see that on the hero side too, like, um, Doza's daughter, you know, for some reason she lounges around in her flight suit, even if there's no race, (laughs) you know, she has her predefined uniform that differentiates her, gives her her colors that matches her ship. It's tailor-made for a toy line, but that is the Japanese model, right? There always was, you know, the, the toy line motivation underpinning the shows. Uh, not that that's anything new for, you know, Western stuff either, but it's very obvious that you've got a little bit of like neon Genesis evangelion built into her character in, in kind of the look yep. and the, the jumpsuit and the, the armor that serve no purpose when you're lounging around with your, your chicken hug, uh, <laughs> and playing your video loud outside <laughs> yes. of your room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you never want to dig too deep on the reasons for the art direction of the show, because when it comes right down to it, a lot of it is, yeah, toys, fun for kids and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and move on to, uh, to Toro from that. So we get this, introduction to uh captain toes or captain doza's um daughter right who plays these pretty sweet um hologram video games yeah. if she and... wasn't a prisoner she'd have a pretty sweet <laughs> life going on up in the high tower hey he takes her out on yeah. what whatever they <laughs> cruises, call it on these, the occasion, on the these occasional cruises. cruise <laughs> hey you've been in your room for two months let's yeah. go on a cruise i'm sure that'll make you forgive me okay mm-hmm. dad <laughs> um yeah so it's just interesting that uh and her like dog yeah, her, her chicken her with <laughs> a bladder infection <laughs> yes <laughs> um but yeah so she's kind of like this trapped princess in a tower that's what i thought of yeah. this whole time I'm like thematically oh, she's in a tower. that's, that's she's exactly just, what yeah. it is and just chilling in her flight suit that's <laughs> got every color in the rainbow on it yeah uh but what do you think of her character in the episodes that we've seen her in i love her i think she's the best thing on the show yeah. she's she's got kind of the most compelling story right she's Uh she comes from privilege but she's not a spoiled brat she is kind of but it's really a little bit yeah the the, her motivation isn't so much i just want to you know rebel for rebellion's sake she's she's genuinely kind of living like a prisoner on the station that isn't safe for her there's a bounty on her head because her dad's a you know a politician and you got the pirates in the first order and everybody's Mm -hmm. just kind of you know everything's haywire and so she's a victim of all that so she's got that working against her but she still kind of keeps her spirits up, finds ways to get through it without, you know, becoming kind of like, you know, jaded and yeah, just kind well, of beaten by the system. Um, but you've also got the talent to be a flyer. You've mm-hmm. got the ingenuity to break in and out of the high tower whenever she wants. Like she's no slouch. She kind of knows the station, like the back of her hand. She's a lot more wise and kind of mm-hmm. up to speed on this world than Kaz is. So you have to respect that. She's kind of like the princess Leia. Right. Yeah. Whereas Luke's the um, green farm boy who just has no idea about the larger world. Princess yeah. Leia, you know, she's in, she's on top of things. She, she knows the score and she kind of knows how to deal <laughs> with adversity and whatever is thrown at her. You've kind of got that here too. She's a lot more yeah. capable and a lot more smart. And you can tell that even though she's um, sort of playing up her innocence, she's very shrewd, right? She doesn't buy yeah. it has a story uh she knows how to play her dad like a fiddle there's just there's a lot that's compelling in her character so i i actually really think that she's great i i think that the episodes that feature her are the most fun yeah i do too especially uh when her and kaz are together because kaz is kind of you know not the wittiest Mm -hmm. even though he gets he's starting to learn but he's not the most witty person and he doesn't like he kind of freezes and is like oh shoot what do i do okay i gotta duck this way Mm -hmm. um and you know if it wasn't for tora he would have been caught by captain doza in his closet just because he's just like okay i'm gonna hide in here and just kind of gets stuck yeah uh and then i like how you said that she's she always kind of keeps her spirits up like when they end up in the trash incinerator (laughs) kaz is like oh is this a trash compactor she goes no it's a trash incinerator (laughs) (laughs) like oh that's so much better thank you (laughs) just think of it like a game (laughs) no she's she's a fun character and she kind of knows the score like she knows how to think on her feet and there's just a, a lot of fun that they have been able to figure out with that character. So yeah, yeah, I, I think that she's a, a definite win for the show. 
Yeah, and I also enjoy like, you know, if this was a serious television show, I'd be like, oh, you're a crazy person. <laughs> yes. um, because whenever she realizes that the, um, you know, the laser beams in the trash incinerator, whatever they are, when she realizes like, oh, I just got to move like it's a video game. Yeah. Kaz, it's like the video game. Come on. And he's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just kind of, I really enjoy that. And um, I, it, the one thing that's missing in all these conversations, because BB-8 is also great. Uh, you know, he's a great um, piece to this dynamic. But the other BB droid. Mm-hmm. Like, There's I, a definite I, love affair going on now. We, we've established yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Like every time they see each other, we get like a 10 second clip of them just talking to each other and we have no idea what they're saying. Oh, they're, 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 they're fawning over each other. Like Poe gives it away, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you, you love droids. There'll be time for that later. Um, yep. Yeah, that's that's cute. That's fun. I yeah, mean, and, not much to dig deep on there. Still can't figure out why BB-8's in the show at all. Why, why yeah, he right. never seems to stick with Poe whenever he heads off on his exactly. next adventure. But whatever, that's that's another. Uh, gotta give the kids something. You know, BB-8's a beloved character, mm-hmm. so the show obviously is going to capitalize on whatever whatever they yeah. got to work with. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought it was just. It, I mean, it's and it's not hard providing the voice to BB-8. Um, it's a little bit difficult to have um, Oscar Isaac come back every time and, mm-hmm. um, you know, be a uh, reoccurring character in that sense. Yeah, that like, would be oh, gotta... an even weirder justification to keep yes. BB-8 in the show. So <laughs> what, what they're doing is fine, just as long as you don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but every time that Poe comes on the screen, I'm like, oh, this is when we say bye to BB-8. But then nope. I thought it was so interesting that when they go on their mission, BB-8 is in Kaz's ship, mm-hmm. not Poe's. Yeah. And I'm just like, Again, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of was. I was just like, interesting. This is, and I, and I get it. Like maybe, but at the same time, like my niece, I was watching one of these episodes with my niece, and she's five, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Why is BB-8 in with Cass?" Right. I'm just like, uh, don't, because don't think about it too hard. That's that should be your answer to her. <laughs> just enjoy, but, enjoy the adventure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of that. The I think the rule to this show, if you're an adult viewer is just take it for what it is and just try not to overthink it because the the storylines do not hold up to scrutiny. They, they no. can't. They're just trying to make it as much fun as they can. So there's a lot of conveniences that you just have to overlook. But yeah. Uh, if you can yeah. get good at that skill, it's a fun show. Yeah, I think my biggest um, or my only thing with this show, my only kind of uh, issue is that We've just seen so little time in the actual cockpit. And for some reason, I thought this was like what they were marketing on Mm. was like this kind of in the cockpit anime. Um, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of thinking of like, oh, this would be really neat to just see a bunch of, you know, um, Starfighter assaults in in an anime style animation show. But I mean, I'm fine that it hasn't been that. Well, that's why I say it's kind of a grab bag show, right? They've created a platform that can spin off all kinds of adventures. So Absolutely, when they've yeah. got something fun to do with Poe, then yeah, they throw them in an X-Wing and they go off and have an X-Wing adventure. When it's mm-hmm. race day, they have a race day adventure. When yeah. it's pirate attack, it's pirate attack. Like, I think that we're getting the amount that the show always kind of knew that it was going to do. I think that they just want this show to be whatever it is, week to week. Keep it mixed yeah. up. Because if you did get really formulaic, it would get old real quick. There's, there's something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If you watch a lot of the Japanese anime that inspire this, you would realize that those shows are way more formulaic in every story beat from the yeah. beginning of each episode to the end is always mapped out, right? The, the villain of the week shows up at the exact same time in each episode. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the characters get wise to it and have to rally at the same time each episode. They do battle at the same time, use all the stock footage for the battle, yeah. uh, you know, the transformation uh, montages and all that stuff is all rehashed week to week. And then, you know, they always beat them right on time and then have a little chuckle yeah. before they go home. I mean, like, if, if they did that, you would get all the cockpit time that you're asking for, but yeah. would the show be as compelling? No, not even slightly. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because you know, and this is appealing to uh, to kids, and these kids, I think, are liking these characters, especially, um, we talked about it right before we were recording, or we mentioned it, that it has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So so people are enjoying this, so sure. for whatever format it is, um, even if it's just me, like, I'm kind of enjoying this, like, slapstick humor mm-hmm. uh, going on that's just, like, the, the Kaz kind of being this, now, I don't want to say uncoordinated, but... Um, Oh, he is. He's, he's, say, clumsy. he's clumsy at <laughs> yeah. times. 
he's he's a bit of a buffoon, right? He's he's yeah. just really green. He gets himself into trouble, and then he, like you mentioned, he kind of freezes up. He just doesn't know how to carry himself yet, and so you see a lot of that. He's yeah. not sure-footed. <laughs> um, and then Niku, where has Niko Niku been on these last few episodes? Well, they've had a lot of ground to cover, so they yeah. didn't need a lot of comic relief. He was there for. The one episode with the intrigue where mm-hmm. um, the girl that they brought into the station, who's really a pirate, but they didn't know it. They shot, yeah. thought she was just a you know refugee from the last Poe Dameron mission. Um, mm-hmm. That episode, Niku, there was this running bit where yeah. uh, he wasn't supposed to say anything. And so he's like physically covering his mouth to yeah. stop himself from <laughs> blurting out every thought that comes through his head. So, I mean, he's there when he's needed, um, yeah. but we've had a couple episodes that were pretty action heavy or story heavy and you just, mm-hmm. you don't need another tag along to, to make it right. funny at that point. So the, the show again, being a grab bag, it pulls in what it needs when it needs it. And we just haven't had a lot of episodes that needed them. So uh, I'm okay with that too. Cause I like him, but there's just not a whole lot to his shtick, right? Mm-hmm. That, that oblivious and uh, lack of inner monologue is great in small doses, but we'd be getting into Jar Jar territory if he was tagging along on every adventure. Yeah. Um, and were you surprised like I was at the amount that Poe has actually been in this sh- television series? I think it's just about right. It's basically yeah. like every four episodes or so he shows mm-hmm. up, right? Like he leaves Kaz for a month and he checks in, they get some real work done. And then he yeah. goes off on his own adventure to leave Kaz to, you know, fumble around for a month before they get some real work done again. I, I think that's. And then leaves BB-8, the droid BB-8, that he yeah. loves. <laughs> um, you, you'll know that we're getting close to force awakens when he actually takes BB eight with him. Yes. That's, yeah. And I think that that's going to happen <laughs> towards the end of this season. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we keep getting rumors like, Oh, you know, at the end of the season is going to be when star killer shows its power. Right. Um, and so whether or not it's actually going to happen, uh, but that would be so interesting if like he takes BB eight and then like months pass and then BB eights back with Kaz. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, no, in, in oh, between the okay. movies. The only time BB-8's <laughs> yeah. ever with Poe is when they established it's, it in the, the movies. movies. Yep. And then the second the movie ends, he drops him back off on the Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really funny if he drops him back off on Colossus and Kaz is just like, hey, why are you leaving BB-8 here? And he's like, oh, people don't care about what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this. Yeah, the resistance uh, is down to 12 people. We don't need yep. BB-8. You can take <laughs> BB-8 for a while. We're going to rebuild for a few years. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I was just... I was thinking once again, this is me kind of getting in my own head is that I was thinking like, okay, maybe we'd get Poe like in the first two episodes. And then after that, he like says, sure, you know, bye. And then we get these new characters. Um, but it is really cool the way they're doing it because they have, you know, that first episode, then they allow us to get used to these new characters. And I think that people are, you know, falling in love with these characters for what they're worth. And then we get Poe back and then we're ready to say bye to him again. Like, mm. we're just like, okay, we don't care because this is like, we're used to what this show is now. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, it would be like something, um, you know, if a big character showed up on any of the, like, imagine the Clone Wars without Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, that would just be, it would be weird because the concept doesn't make that much sense. But here it makes a little more sense. And so I think that yeah. we're used to that because the show can live on its own, right? You can have adventures mm-hmm. on Colossus that have very little to do with the larger star Wars universe. Yep. It's great. Find a few of those, but every now and again, you want to have an infusion of star Warsiness, yeah. And that's the role that Poe fills it. It reminds you that there's important things happening in the galaxy. It reminds mm-hmm. you that there's a plot that's plotting along here to the force awakens. And, yep. uh, those are some of the funnest episodes, right? Cause that's where you yeah. are getting some, uh, tie fighter X-wing dog fights. That, that is where it, it, you know, you're running down corridors from stormtroopers. Yeah. Like you're, you're doing the star Warsy stuff. Um, I'm always happy to see him. I think that they found a really good balance there. Bring them in every, yeah. you know, four to half a dozen episodes and, and remind us that we are part of the larger fabric. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Yeah. And I, and I really like that. I like the reminder, like in the, um, in the children from Tehar episode, we got the kind of, you know, reference to Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, Station Theta Black, we have Poe and Kaz going on their own mission. They get into this uh, First Order base. Right. It's abandoned and it's because it's about to be demolished. Uh, and I was, I was extremely, um, I, like I was, I needed to take a blood pressure pill after seeing kylo ren's ship fly into that station and yeah. then kylo ren not being on right, it right, i'm right. like wait what what is this they've done because that three they- or four <laughs> times now with the show and i think what's no. happening is what they're doing is they're 
they're cheapening Kylo Ren's ship by saying that this is just a transport yeah. that the First Order uses. But in the movies, you only That's ever this. see it associated with yeah. him. So it's this menacing, you know, mm -hmm. like bird of prey that descends down yes. to, you know, wreak carnage. So uh, this show has really kind of watered down that notion that was so nicely <laughs> executed in the movies. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like it is a little bit of a bait and switch to get mm -hmm. your hopes up and then no, uh, it's just Phasma or it's just, you know, stormtroopers <laughs> or whatever. Um, but you know, what, what are you going to do? Eventually we'll see Kylo Ren. And when they finally do get around to the reveal, we're not going to be expecting it because they faked yeah, this out so many times. So <laughs> hopefully There's that'll like, be more satisfying because yeah. of it. Yeah. We're just going to see, like, it would be funny if Kaz gets used to the ship and he's kind of like our, um, our voice in the show. Mm. And he's just like, Oh, it's just captain Phasma. We've done, you yeah, know, yeah. we've done away with her a million times. And yeah. then it just, you see the two or the three blades ignite and his lightsaber. And you're like, Oh, we're le we're leveling um, up. We're going to the the big baddie now. But uh, it was just so interesting that you know they had like this kind of dark, sinister music playing as you see these ships fly back into that station. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is this is going to be really interesting. How are they um doing that? And then like just Phasma gets off, and I'm like, oh. But you know what? Well, this is the first kind of meaty stuff we're getting from Phasma too. Like it was. <laughs> good in its own way to bring in yep. an established character and give her some screen time. And there's a certain amount of menace because we know that she's supposed to be competent, even though for yeah. some reason she, you know, gets thrown in trash compactors <laughs> and, you know, in the movies, uh, as bad as she's supposed to be, she never really manages to accomplish anything. Um, we are supposed to see her as a force to be reckoned with. So it was cool yeah. that they had to square off with her. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was totally appropriate for sort of mid-season level stakes. Mm -hmm. I do want yeah, to see Kylo before the end of the season, or I'm going to be miffed that there's yep. been so much buildup without the payoff. Yeah, and it would be, uh, and I kind of want it to to have a you know serious tone to it, like maybe one of not not too serious because you can't get that serious in the show, mm -hmm. but just showing that because we haven't seen much of Kylo Ren's. Um, like we have, I guess. So in, first, in Force Awakens, that very first scene that we get of Kylo Ren is just like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's bad. He's mm. a big bad, um, and and I think that he's paid off being that big bad. But we've, um, it would just be really interesting to see him in a situation with not so big characters, like because in in the Last Jedi, we get a lot of time where he's encountering Rey, sure, which is you know kind of his equal in the Force. Um, and we don't see his, we didn't see his encounter a lot with, you know, non-force wielders in The Last mm -hmm. Jedi. And so I'd really like to see some of that again. Okay. Um, but, you know, it, you can't have a show where he's, you know, mind torturing them. I sure. get that. But The producers of this show have been walking that line very adeptly. They're making yep. it feel Star Wars, either having good adventure that is thrilling in its own way, but mm -hmm. not excessively yeah. violent or you know right. tonally too dark for kids to to handle so uh, i think that they understand the show well enough that when they do decide to bring kylo ren in it's going to be very satisfying yeah and i and i really enjoy that they've you know they have their uh their formula for the show and they have a character like poe who is a very serious character he has his times of sarcasm both in this show and in the greater star wars universe mm -hmm. and so i like that they didn't really they didn't do a lot to lighten his character up. Like they didn't take away from his character to make him fit in this universe. It's just, uh, and so I think that that's kind of been for me, the connection to make me believe like, okay, this is canon and I can accept it mm -hmm. because you know, this group is just a, a younger, more immature and, you know, slapsticky humor group than what we sure. got in, you know, yeah. the last Jedi. Uh, go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't have okay. a whole lot of follow up on that. <laughs> Yeah, and so, but I was, uh, I I was really teased by this whole Kylo Ren <laughs> ship thing. <laughs> I was, just, I remember like getting up and like, oh my gosh, well, and, like having to like breathe a little bit. Yeah, let's see, like, let's okay. see where we're at in April. If if <laughs> yeah. we still don't have anything to bite into by April, then then we can start to maybe get a little feisty about yeah. it. But the show's got to unfold this stuff at its pace too. Or we see his lightsaber and it's just like a close up of his lightsaber and then we just see Niku pick it up. That would be that would be definitely when I need some blood pressure medicine. Uh, but going back to that theory of Nico being the uh, the uh, first order spy. Yeah, just just to reiterate, I am not on board with that theory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> neither am I. But hey, uh, you know, it was a thing with Jar Jar Binks and I guess it's going to be a thing with Niku. Yeah, yeah. But, keep, keep, uh, keep the flame alive. Yeah, and then other. Um, going forward with this last episode again, we have Leia, who 
has a pretty big role, like bigger mm. than what I thought. A speaking role. Uh, yes, a speaking role um, that was not done by Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought that that was interesting. But I love that whenever we first see her, that it, that they're playing the original song from sure. John Williams. And so that for me, that I mean, it was almost emotional for me because, you know, you see uh, you see the back of Princess Leia. And then as soon as soon as that door opens, you get that that theme song in there. And so I thought that that was just wonderful, a nice nod and showing that, like, we have people in charge of the show that care about the properties. Sure. This is probably a good time um, to just step back and appreciate how far they've come with the sound design of the show, just in the handful of episodes that we've had. Um, yeah. These last few have had f- way more of a star Wars feel in the yeah. cues, how they're using them. And just, yeah, just the, the picture that they're painting with the sound, you're, you're hearing a lot more nods to star Wars, yeah. but they're weaving it in, in subtle ways that it just, it, it, it's just, it's just creating an atmosphere that feels right for the universe. And I feel like the first few episodes, they hadn't quite figured out the right tone. Mm -hmm. Um, but these last few, you mentioned the Leia Q, which is an obvious one to point out, but even just, um, the, the sounds that the tools that they use make, like when they charge up and spark or whatever, it's, it's just right out of like Han and Chewie working on the top of the Falcon in Hoth. You can tell that Mm -hmm. they're pulling as much as they can to help keep this feeling correct. And, and I think they're just getting really good at, I think, that they've really yeah. found the the right soundscape for the show. Well, even the uh, the checkpoint sounds that they have during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, You've that's got pod straight racing, from pod yeah. racing, and even yeah. the announcer is uh, sounds like the the guy, the two headed mm-hmm. guy from <laughs> Tatooine. Um, yeah, there's a lot they're getting right. The pod race engines too, when they fire up, is straight from that opening scene for the pod race where everybody's queuing up on the starting line and firing up their engines. Yeah, it's it's all there, and they're just doing a really good job of of keeping it feeling right. So yeah, yeah I, I picked up on that too. So I'm glad that you noticed the Leia cue because uh, it speaks volumes about just how much care and craft they're putting into yeah, it. Yeah. And, and just the way that they were able to do it, it just shows how much care. The fact that it almost triggered an emotional response from me shows that they were really careful with how they approached it and that they wanted to respect the character. They wanted to obviously respect Carrie and um, move forward with this. And so uh, it took me a minute or two to get used to the new voice coming out of uh, of Leia's mouth, but it's not something that um, that we're not adapt to. I mean, we got it with Obi Wan and sure. Anakin in the Clone Wars, and so it's not something that's new to the universe. But right. um, you know, I think it's just odd when when that actor is no longer with us in this world, and yeah. we um, and we kind of get this new approach. But you know, everything about her was definitely stuff that um, Leia Organa would do. So. Yeah, no, the character was all there, and I thought that the voice actress was pretty spot on. Obviously you're never going to be a hundred percent, you know, there's, yeah. there's little character ticks and, and accent that is only going to be true to Carrie's performance. But I felt like they got 90% of the way there, which is pretty good for yep. the voice acting better than some. Uh, if you watch the forces of destiny shorts, they had a lot mm-hmm. of Leia material in that. Yeah. And none of the voice actresses in that came nearly as close to aged Leia here. Yeah. There's a little bit of a gravel in her voice that's come with age mm-hmm. and yep. uh, they really found it. They really, they, they really did. hit that good. So uh, I respect that if they're going to bring Leia into the show, they're not going to just, you know, cheap out and phone in the voice performance. They're, they're really yeah. trying to get that character right. And I, I think they're handling it with a plum. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've enjoyed this first half, um, or at least I think it's going to be, uh, you know, yeah, our first, first point. 11 of a 22 episode order is I think <laughs> uh, what we're working what with we're here. Going. I, we, we couldn't confirm that. We're not really sure. Uh, Wikipedia wasn't entirely sure how long the season yeah, was, but I, I'm pretty sure it's 22 episodes. Yeah. And I even spent earlier, uh, this morning just kind of looking into it and I couldn't find any, um, confirmations in it, but, uh, I, for some reason, I also remember that announcement. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there was a press release from Lucasfilm, but it's just, yeah, hard to track down. So John, I just have a couple of questions mm-hmm. about where you think season one is going. So, you know what, where do you think they're going with all this? Um, we've talked about it before and I, I still kind of hold to the same theory that I had originally, which is we're slowly plotting along to mm-hmm. the, uh, destruction of Hosnian prime. Yeah. So we already know that the show commenced roughly six months out from the events of force awakens. Mm -hmm. We know 
that everything that they've given us as far as tidbits on the first order's activities shows that the first order is building a weapon, right? We know that they're mining the asteroids to get the material to blah, 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 blah. And we know that it's going to be revealed to be Starkiller base. So we know that they're establishing that the first order is building towards something. Yeah. We, you know, we, we're getting all of the, the key players of the first order established in the show slowly, you know, we've got, we've got Phasma now. We, we know that Ren exists in this world, you know, through hearsay, but we'll probably be seeing more from him. We know that the end game here is that the first order is going to insinuate its way into Colossus Mm -hmm. and the people are probably not going to enjoy having them there. And at a certain point, everyone's going to have to make a decision when Hosnian Mm -hmm. prime blows up. If the first order is occupying Colossus, the residents of Colossus are going to have to decide, are they going to resist or are they going to acquiesce? Yeah. <laughs> and my hunch, if Poe Dameron and Princess Leia have anything to say about it, they're probably going to resist. Yeah. And I think that might be when the show starts to get fun. But in the meantime, yeah. you've got Kaz slowly uncovering the machinations of the first order and just mm-hmm. building out some of that, you know, backstory and tapestry that kind of is going to dovetail into the force awakens. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, the episodes that we've gotten since our last discussion on that item uh, has confirmed that yeah. we're starting to see the first uh, the first order get a little more comfortable in what they're doing. They're starting to put themselves out there a little bit more. Right. Um, you know, the fact that you have a gold stormtrooper walking around the high tower shows that they're not trying to hide anything. Yeah. I mean, you can't really hide this guy anywhere. Um, and so, and he comes in, and then we also got um, a hint that Captain Doza was at one point. Um, member of the empire like, sure. even if it was just his and i wonder how they're going to play that out um if it's just he has a suit or if he actually had something to do with it um but i mean well the thing is he, he kept the suit yes if he repudiated the empire and he was purely there because well that was the reigning government and i needed a job you know like mm-hmm. if if he wasn't a dyed in the wool imperialist why would he yeah. keep the uniform but they haven't presented him as an entirely corrupt, evil character. They've, no, yeah. they've shown him as a little opportunistic, a bit of a politician, but by and large, he's keenly interested in actually protecting the station and letting mm-hmm. the station thrive. So, yeah. um, I don't know where, where they're going with that particular story thread. Uh, we'll find out, you know, maybe yeah. once the first order is there, they'll out him as an imperialist and he'll get ousted from the station. And then, you know, well, we have a power vacuum. Someone has to yeah. take the reins here. And so we're going to leave a garrison to you know, make sure that there's peace and order at the Colossus. So who knows where they're going to go with that, but yeah, it's interesting an interesting development. Uh, I mean, I just have one request for this show for the second half of season one. I want them to start working on a battlefront Two map of Colossus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I think that would be cool. Well, the um, thing was like handcrafted for action and adventure, right? Like, yes. Yeah. It, you've got all of these like steep ledges that are just mm-hmm. one person wide, you know, for skulking around, you've got all sorts of, trapdoors and passes and you know yeah. secret secret tunnels yeah no they would be great it'd be great yeah so that's what I, that's what i hope that they do with this and i think that you know maybe uh depending on on how much uh, but at 92 percent on rotten tomatoes it seems like people are enjoying it and so i think that it, it could be likely we start seeing some some uh items in battlefront 2 um or whatever battlefront they come out with next it'd be kind of cool if they came out with some sort of standalone that was based yeah. around Colossus, maybe even something that had elements of, you know, star Wars racer, like yeah, have a, an, uh, that kind of mechanic built in where it's not mm-hmm. just a first person shooter, but maybe it's, it's a racing game, but you've also got, you know, thrills and actions outside of the cockpit. I don't know, but it certainly is a very rich environment that they've created. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the best things the show has going for it is that it's rife for adventures of the week. There's so many different aspects to the Colossus. You know, you can go underground and go kind of down into the, the bowels of the station, have adventures down there, or you can be up in the sky in a racer. So there's, there's all sorts of fun avenues that the show is exploring. And I think a lot of that could actually translate really well to a video game. If they put the right creative team on it, that's re- yeah. that's the real trick though. <laughs> yeah. You have to have the right uh, creative team and they have to be, they have to desire what they're doing. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, different video game companies have been accused of taking, you know, beloved properties and not caring about them too much right. and, you know, not treating them right. Uh, but other than that, I am looking forward to the rest of season one mm-hmm. and seeing where they go with this and seeing kind of the growth of these characters and seeing uh, specifically the first order kind of be more of 
a presence um, in the galaxy. And I think that they're going to be a more obvious presence in the second half of season one. Yep. Agreed. I will say when we started the show, my feeling was, you know, this is amusing. This is, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyable as an exploration of Star Wars Children's Fair, but I wasn't really engaged by it. I was yep. amused, but I wasn't engrossed. I got to say by the end of the last episode, which was, yeah. I think, arguably the most Star Warsy of all of the episodes mm-hmm. we've seen so far. Absolutely. Um, I realized that I actually was just enjoying it on its own merits. Like I actually was invested in it. Um, so I think that says something. If you can win someone over with half a season of content, you're doing better in Clone Wars. Like Clone oh, yeah. Wars was a slow burn for quite a while before mm-hmm. uh, they started to uh, massage the rough edges out of the characters and the storytelling yeah. in that show. And this one's gotten very sure-footed, very quick. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're just willing to not overthink the plot, which actually, you know, you could make that argument for every Star Wars movie too. Yeah. You know, you could pick apart the plot all you want. It's very apparent in this that there's a lot of contrivances if you're just willing to look the other way on those there's a lot of fun to be had and i actually am having more fun with this show than i thought it would yeah i am too i the that first episode <laughs> i was like oh okay it's gonna be this type of show right i don't know how much i'll be invested in it but i'll at least you know i'll have it on and i'll be somewhat paying attention to it but yeah just like you this last episode I was like immersed in it. I was watching it. I was like pausing, rewinding, going like, cause I was just like, wait, I, like it, it, speaking of the Kylo Renship again, like whenever that <laughs> happened, I went back and yeah. I was just like, was that the same ship or was this? Um, and so I kept, you know, looking at those things. Um, yeah. And so I think that it's, I think it's learning who it is or what it is and uh, getting more and more comfortable. And I think that they have it figured out and they have a great team working on it. Yeah. This show is definitely in capable hands and it seems to be a labor of love for a lot of the people involved in it. I, I really get the sense that they're trying to make the best kid show they know how to make. Yep. I, I see a lot of kid shows. I have young kids, so I, I consider myself a bit of an expert on what's out there Yeah. <laughs> and there's just so much schlock, you know, stuff yeah. that's just so, uh, banal and insipid and, not thought provoking and not mm-hmm. visually interesting. And there's just yeah. nothing going on. It's just basically a strobe light on the TV meant to just keep your kids mesmerized. There's just nothing of value. Yeah. This show at the very least, you know, it, whatever you want to say about it being targeted for such young kids that, you know, they do mm-hmm. make some compromises in the storytelling. Um, you have to admit that this is probably some of the most quality, uh, writing, uh, sound design, voice acting, visual quality that you're going to find in children's fair. It it definitely is a, a really high caliber production. And yeah, uh, I, I think if nothing else, it just says a lot about Lucasfilm's desire to keep star Wars as special as possible. They yeah. didn't just get the mandate from Disney to make a show and they just said, okay, well, you know, what can we turn out? Okay. The, the BB eight happy fun time hour, you know, there, there are ways to do really bad children's fair in the star Wars universe. This is not it. This is a show yeah. that's trying to be the best it can be. And, uh, I, I think by and large, they're really succeeding. Yeah. And I think that it's something also that, uh, the fact that Filoni has any involvement mm-hmm. in this show shows that he cares about it and it's not because I think he's at the point now with Disney where if they asked him to do something, he can be like, ah, I don't think so. I'm really busy. Yeah, doing my, this. my heart's not in it or yeah, yeah. he could, he certainly um, could. And so I think he's at that standing where he, he's able to say, no, like, I don't want to work on this, but you know, I hope you guys all the best. I'm sure you'll find a, you know, a great team to work on it. Um, but he's working on it when he is possibly the most busiest person <laughs> in Lucasfilm. Yeah. Uh, he, he seems to be, a good shepherd. It seems mm-hmm. like if he's at least there to be the tastemaker and uh, show a little restraint and just make sure that things feel true to Star Wars, he seems to be the best Lucasfilm has to serve that role. And it seems like that's kind of what he's doing with this show. He's not, I don't think he's in the writer's room. He's off doing Mandalorian stuff predominantly right now, but yeah. um, it, it's obvious that the show is not going astray. It does have some. Uh, guidance from on high that seems to be serving it well and i'm assuming that that's probably the role he's playing he's doing a good job of it yeah yeah he's definitely well, the, the hero of lucasfilm he's the one that all the fans can rally behind and say this is the guy that we love at yeah. lucasfilm you know we'll we'll take the management to task but we love feloni <laughs> yeah right and yeah. and i think that just widely he's accepted as the guy who knows the most about star wars yeah 
Like he's he's an expert. He knows the property, yeah. um, you know, better than anyone minus maybe Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas himself. But I think that he he understands the property. He knows what he's doing. Sure. Um, and he loves the property. Like mm-hmm. this isn't just something where it's like, hey, we're going to pay you four million dollars. OK, but this is like I get to get paid four million dollars plus you know, love every second of it. It's definitely um, reassuring when there's someone involved in the company that you trust wants the same thing from star Wars that you want. I think that's why fans rally around him. There's a bit of lore and a bit of legend. Like at the end of the day, he's a producer and you know, he's got a job to do and he's not above <laughs> making decisions that need to be made just purely because of the, the realities of trying to produce things and budgets and all the right. rest of it. But, um, this this narrative this this myth of him being kind of the protege of lucas has become so entrenched in the fandom that we just kind of see him as sort of the second coming of lucas now yeah. we, we see him as the <laughs> the one that 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 somehow you know lucas mind melded and put uh his his passion and his philosophy and his take on star wars into feloni and so we all feel like feloni has to be in the mix for it to truly be star wars yeah. and i don't think that's necessarily true no. but i genuinely believe the guy loves star wars mm-hmm. and i believe that you know he obviously did absorb a lot in his tenure under lucas and when lucas was very heavily involved uh in the yeah. clone wars production so you know there there is something to it i i feel like we like to sort of <laughs> take those notions to extreme and read into them more than we should. But, uh, he's definitely a great asset for Lucasfilm and I hope that he continues to be involved in all the upcoming properties. Yeah, I do too. And I think that he's, I think he's the, he's the guy at Lucasfilm right now. Whenever you're working on a he project, is. you run it by him. He's the dude. Um, <laughs> uh, but other than that, I, that's all I got for the first half of season one for star Wars resistance. Are we really going to sign off without talking about the casting news for Mandalorian? Okay. Do you want to do that? I was wondering. We might as well. I, I don't know. know we... uh, I don't know how soon we're coming back now that, you know, okay. it's going to be the holidays. We're going to be on hiatus for a while. There's not going to be new TV to talk about. We might as well just blitz it now if you got time. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have time. So let me write down this real quick. All right. So then we'll just go ahead and, and get into that. All right, so John, before we sign off, we have some interesting news regarding The Mandalorian. Right. And so do you want to get us caught up on some of that stuff? Um, well, I wish I had it in front of me. Like, I, I reviewed it. I know the basic news, but if we wanted to go through all the names and uh, kind of career highlights of the casting, uh, we should probably pull it up from the actual. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, I think the most important thing is that we got Apollo Creed sure. coming in on the Mandalorian. <laughs> that's really the only newsworthy <laughs> thing that we need to talk about. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, I don't know what Carl Weathers has been up to since uh, I saw him last on Arrested Development, but hey, why not? I mean, sure. Uh, yeah. He's he's certainly someone that uh, I think you get a positive reaction to. Like, I think people like love him just sort of as a persona. So yeah. I can't see why he couldn't play some sort of fun role. I, I don't see him being like a super dark character or being really pivotal to the show. Um, but I, I could see him being some sort of sidekick or ally or, you know, Lando Calrissian type, you know, someone yeah. that factors into the story, but maybe lives more on the peripheral and kind of shows up when you need his particular talents. Um, I'd be interested to see what that's going to turn into. Yeah. But what really has me jazzed is Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a Breaking Bad fan, but it's basically the only oh, other yeah. uh, TV show that I've ever watched that uh, I, I just, I will never, n- never get tired of. I, I'm sure that I blitz that series every year. Uh, yeah. It's got incredible rewatchability and he's one of the best things in the show. Uh, he plays basically the main overarching villain of that show, save mm-hmm. for season one and season five. And just does a, an incredible job of um, like simmering and, um, keeping his, uh, evilness sort of like contained and, yeah. uh, present, but not, he's not an over the top kind of villain. No, he's, he's very much kind of like hiding in plain sight, very much an under the radar mm-hmm. kind of villain. But then in the moments when he needs to assert himself, he, you know, he is the devil incarnate. Um, yeah. so that kind of range to bring that caliber of an actor and someone that's now beloved by, I would say, you know, nerddom <laughs> at oh, yeah, large. Uh, I think that's a huge win for the show that I don't know yeah. what role he's going to play, but we know what he's capable of. So whether he's oh, a good absolutely. guy or a bad guy, the guy has chops and he does. Uh, and he has this swagger about him. Like yeah. just the way he, every time, like he takes attention 
when he comes on the screen. Yeah. No matter what you're watching, as, as soon as you see him on the screen, like you are drawn to him. He's you, a presence. He's very yeah. assured. Like you see him and you never get the sense that he isn't entirely in control of himself and the situation mm-hmm. around him. He just, yeah, he, he feels like a puppet master. Yep. on breaking bad. And if that's what they're trying to tap into great, if they know that he's capable of a totally different kind of a role. And I know that he is, cause he is a very well rounded actor. Mm-hmm. So whatever they want to do with him, I know he's going to just bring something brilliant to it. And uh, I can't wait to see what that's going to shape up to be. Yeah. And then you got, you know, uh, going back to kind of the Carl Weathers thing <laughs> okay. before, before you're, he was announced. You're really going to hit this Carl yeah. Weathers thing. <laughs> <laughs> but before he was announced, you have uh, Nick Nolte announced. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so I, I don't necessarily want to talk about Carl Weathers himself, but just <laughs> these two characters being, you know, um, and even uh, Esposito being these seasoned actors and being older, mm-hmm. I think um, could contribute to... I, th- I think that's going to play into something like these guys in as far as the show is concerned, these guys were in their prime at the height of the empire. And so sure. I think that they're going to bring a lot of that um, narrative to um, to the Mandalorian yeah. that like, you know, these guys have possibly were in their prime during the Clone Wars. Like they're they're sure. at that level to where they can co- go back and play on it. And um, I just finished the first Thrawn book this last week. And those type of characters, like just uh, knowing that Thrawn had an encounter with Anakin before Mm -hmm. the Empire rose kind of just adds a different layer to him. And so I hope that that's kind of what they're going with. Um, And I think that's what they're going with. I mean, you don't just cast these guys and make them not contribute anything. My my takeaway is that the show itself, it sounds like they're trying to make it pretty gritty Mm -hmm. and keep it much more in the vein of maybe what we would have seen on Tatooine yeah. or Jakku. Like this is, these are the mm-hmm. wastelands. These are the outer regions. These are, uh, you know, the, the uncharted backwaters where it is the yeah. wild West, you know, where it is kind of just the, the law of the gun kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so if that's the world that they want to paint, this is not the center of the Republic. This mm-hmm. is not Coruscant. Right. This is, this is, uh, definitely it's the underworld, right? Yeah. This, yeah. This is, this is definitely where, you know, a, a man has to be able to take care of himself and handle himself mm-hmm. and, uh, know how to use a blaster. So if that's what they're going for, you look at Nick Nolte and as much as he's kind of a cartoon in some ways in pop culture, mm-hmm. just cause you know, his own, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, you just look at him and you say, oh, there's a guy that could play grizzled. There's a guy yeah. that looks uh, like worn, like just world worn, like sandblasted He's seen stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. This is this is a guy that's been through some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So if what they're trying to do is bring in people that can present a world that just kind of chews you up and spits you out, then mm-hmm. Nolte, okay, I can yeah. see I can see him being in the the mix there. Um, yeah, and then Weathers, you just you I guess you got someone who has just been around the block and just learned, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the the law of the jungle or the whatever, like just someone that, uh, has had to be able to, um, just sort of forge his own way, just through his own sort of brute Mm -hmm. strength or whatever. He could play that kind of a character. So there's a lot of overlap with the idea that this is going to be kind of like a rough and tumble Western type fair. And both of those characters could, could easily sit in that world. Giancarlo Esposito have no idea other than Mm -hmm. we know that the Mandalorian, as far as the actor's concern, Mm-hmm. is of spanish descent yep all right i don't know if we say spanish but you know what i yeah. mean like yep. latino um and john carlo esposito would be as well so it might be part of the culture that they're trying to develop for the mandalorians where they're, they're using uh latino mm-hmm. players to present that culture so if that's the case you know maybe they're both uh from that world or you know somehow yeah. kindred spirits have no idea you know it's all speculation yeah. well pedro pascal is one of my all-time favorite actors i love this guy yeah um, my, uh, my first introduction to him was of course through Narcos, but right. then I watched game of Thrones and he's just everything he's in. He's brilliant. And yeah. so I, and at one point or another in my life, I've loved all of these actors. Like I've gone through phases where like all of these actors at one point were my favorite. Sure. <laughs> and yes. so, um, I'm super just jazzed to see all of them on screen together, even if it's not like them in the same room together, but just having them in the same show, um, and I think it does kind of send that message. And I also think it's confirming some 
um, some different theories that this is taking a lot of its inspiration from George Lucas's original show that he he tried pitching um, the Bounty Hunter a while show. back, right. which was a bounty hunter. You know, it, they they were calling it Star Wars Under Underworld, yeah, um, and it was going to explore kind of this grittier. Um, take on the star wars universe and so mm-hmm. hey no even if it's not that gritty even if they don't take a gritty approach to it still having all these actors on it i'm still super excited so i um the, i don't necessarily have expectations because oh i have they've already i mean <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do but like i I've, i'm at the point now to where i'm kind of like comfortable in it like okay I don't think that we've seen like we know what we're getting into when we're watching a Nick Nolte project and a Carl Weathers project. We know what we're getting into with those things. Sure. And so I think no matter what those characters are going to play into, I think we're going to like, I think we're going to be ready for it. Um, But just for me, like nothing that, uh, that Pedro Pascal has touched has not been gold. Like it's just, um, it's just absolute brilliance there. And so, yeah, I'm I'm super jazzed with these announcements. The bottom line on the Mandalorian is we know that it has the budget. Mm-hmm. It has the directors. It has the visionaries in Favreau and Filoni. Yeah. And it has the cast. Mm-hmm. Um it has everything that you would expect a winning production to have. Yeah. Now, could they totally blow it? Absolutely. Do I think that Favreau's at a point in his career where he's going to go all in on a project that he's not a hundred percent sure he can, uh, you know, just totally blast out of the water. Um, I, I think that if, if he's as gung ho as it appears that he mm-hmm. is and Lucasfilm and Disney are just lining up the resources and just saying, yes, yeah. we will just open the floodgates on this production, make it wonderful. Yeah. Um, not that, you know, money is the, the sole thing that determines whether a production succeeds. I mean, the original star Wars succeeded in many ways because of the restraints put on it. Um, but in this case, I think the picture that's being painted for me is that Lucasfilm really wants to get this right. And they are Mm -hmm. pulling out all the stops to just make this the absolute best foray into television they're capable of because they want to plant their flag. They want to say yes. Star Wars has arrived on TV and it's special. It's Game of Thrones oh, yeah. special. And when we do a Star Wars TV production, you better believe it's prestige TV and you better believe it's worth the whatever Disney <laughs> streaming service is going to cost. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot riding on it. And I think that they're trying very hard to make sure that they do everything they can to, to get it right. And that's what I want to see. That's absolutely what I want to see. I want them to take it seriously. I don't want them to dip their toe in and see if maybe television's where they want to be. No, if you're going to do yeah. it, I want you to do it. And uh, I think they're doing it. I I also think they're doing it. <laughs> uh, well, we'll find out in what, probably six months Wait, to a year or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we'll get at least some material of, oh, that's what it's going to look like. No, no. Um, I want to know when I can time. sit down and start binging <laughs> and the thing, it. which is yeah. probably next fall. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. that's, that's my hunch. Um, but yeah. Uh, Every, everything's pointing to a production that I think is going to be a winner and man, I hope it does. Cause star mm-hmm. Wars, uh, it, it needs to figure out what it's going to be for the next 10, 15, 20 years. We know we're going to yeah. have sagas, uh, or, you know, whatever serialized, right. uh, movies. We know that there's still a lot of development going on with those. Eventually they're going to start bringing in side stories when they think they have mm-hmm. productions that are going to work. But for now, you know, aside from yeah. one movie coming out every few years, which is all we have on our you know, publicly, uh, announced slate, uh, they got to figure out if they're really going to be able to oh, make yeah. an impact in these other venues. And, and, and I, I think this is the time to do it. And, and I think that Disney has, um, a lot to not, not necessarily a lot at stake because it's Disney. Sure. Um, but I don't think they simply bought Lucasfilm just to make star Wars movies. No, I think not. that, the, I think that, that Iger had a vision and, this was part of it. And I, and you know, well, uh, I'll, uh, let's, I think he had a vision. I think his vision was let's do that whole Marvel thing again. Cause that made yeah. us a whole like <laughs> truckload of money. Um, and then, you know, they learned the hard way that that's not what star Wars is about. It isn't about yeah. just constant flooding of theatrical movies with side characters. It's, it's a, it has to be more special than that. So I don't think that maybe, this was the original plan, but the original plan was to take the franchise and, and make it the, the greatest money-making machine that they could figure out how to make it. Yes. And now they're into sort of phase two of trying to figure out what that looks like. And I really hope TV works. Cause if it does, I'll take 
the 10 hours of TV, you know, and a couple series in production mm-hmm. every year. That means 20 hours of star Wars to binge every year. In addition to the movies, in addition yep. to maybe the kids fair, whatever, um, that would work for me. If I could have some star Wars in the spring, some star Wars in the fall, maybe a movie in the summer and a movie at Christmas. Okay. Uh, that, that yeah. works. I could, I could do that. <laughs> and, and I don't think I'd get burnt out on it either. Like no, just, no, not if, not if they keep the quality high and they understand the stories that the fans want to hear and they put all the resources behind it. I think it could work if they start playing games with release schedules and marketing budgets like they did with solo and, um, mm. you know, just green light a bunch of productions that maybe haven't had enough time to bake for them to really be sure that it's a winner. If they go back to that, then, you know, it's going to be a rocky road, but if they do what they're doing now, which is saying, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it great. Like it seems like they want to do with the Mandalorian. Then we have a very bright future ahead of us with star Wars. And, uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Well, is there anything else that you want to cover? No, no. I think we've talked enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, our listeners, they can give us some feedback by emailing us, uh, star Wars TV talk at gmail.com. They could also leave us a review on iTunes. That would be wonderful because, you know, that's how we learn and how we get to see, oh, this is what people think of us. Sure. Um, and then <laughs> but, um, I, make sure that your review, as scathing as it is, includes yes. five stars. You yes. Can, you can tell us anything you want. <laughs> just just give us the five stars. We, yeah, we've absolutely. earned that, if nothing else. Yes. I, I think I think five stars is the reasonable rating there. Yeah. And, um, then, and then in the comments, be totally brutal. We want to hear it all. Yeah. Just make sure the five stars are there. And, and then if you want to be excited, especially brutal uh that's what the email is for yeah um or you can tweet us at star wars tv talk and yeah other than that may the force be with you always <laughs>